and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Hi, everyone. I'm Lori LeBay with Alzheimer Speaks, and welcome to our show today. We are going to be talking about caring for a loved one today. But before I introduce you to our guest, I always like to do a couple of shout outs. So one, I want to mention, if you are in Minnesota, I will be doing a presentation at Artist Senior Living in Woodbury on October 10th. That's a Tuesday. Uh, it'll run from five to six, but registration will start at 4.30. The presentation is called Betty the Bald Chicken Lessons in How to Care. And you can register by calling 651-493-2840. And you will get a free Betty the Bald Chicken book that I wrote as well. Just ask for Jana on that. And let's see, what else do I want to tell you? November, I will be down in Texas, uh, down in Amarillo, and I will be um, doing a full day presentation for their 17th annual care conference. And that is with the Area Aging Agency on Aging. You can get more information on that program at 806 331 2227. And again, that's in Amarillo, Texas, at the Polk Street United Methodist Church will be the location. I also want to encourage people to go to alzheimerspeaks.com, check out our free educational resources. You can check out uh, the book too. There's a book tab there, or, or if you're looking for someone to hire for speaking and training, I'm available for that as well. You can also go to Dementia Map, which is our global resource directory. That's just at DementiaMap.com. And last, I want to give a shout out. You know, we here on Alzheimer's Speaks like to hear from everybody all around the world at all different levels and stages um, of life. And maybe, just maybe, you can be our next guest. If you're interested, you can email me at Lori, L-O-R-I, at Alzheimer's, that's plural, speaks, which is plural, too, dot com. Lori at Alzheimer's speaks dot com. So with no further ado, let's go ahead and introduce you to our guest. Well, Donna, Olivia, I am so excited to have you on the show. So first of all, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Um, I can't wait for people to hear about the work you're doing in the book that you've written um, and the care that you're giving your mom and the journey you've been on. So I always ask everybody to kind of introduce themselves because you can do it a heck of a lot better than I can. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me on. That's number one. I praise God for that and the work that you're doing because this is so important. Um, I am Donna Olivia. Um, that's my birth name, first name and middle name. That's what mom calls me. Um, I am actually a retired dance educator. And now I call myself a dancing caregiver. <laughs> and um, I 
I think it's so important that we spread the word, the information, we educate people about Alzheimer's. There's no two stories exactly alike, so everyone has one to share. And I'm trying to do it, whether it's speaking, writing, attending seminars and sharing, and everything in between. Wonderful. Well, thank you for giving us that background. Now, you know, we're going to focus on your book today, which is about your journey with your mom, but have other, you know, friends and family members, have they dealt with dementia as well? Well, you know, um, I have a circle of dancing friends and I remember we were sharing notes once because she and her family, the all the siblings, they were taking turns and that was different from my situation, but when we started talking about things that our mothers were doing, they were similar. You know, she said somebody took her money. Yeah, my mom said that too. Somebody did this. Yeah, my mom said. And it let us know that, hey, this is this is real, you know, and it's no respect of persons, as, as they say, it's very, very real. And it was touching them and we had not necessarily had a conversation. She was just doing what she needed to do. And I was doing what I needed to do. But when the conversation came up, we realized we had some similarities. Now, with your mom, like what year did did you notice things? And what year did she get actually diagnosed? So I'm going to say, first of all, mom lives in Florida and we would visit and when my stepfather passed in 09, prior to that, she would say things that didn't sound quite right. For example, somebody took her clothes and I've got to feed the children and all of that. And without us comparing notes, we didn't know that we were experiencing this during our visit. But after my stepfather passed, um, we real, soon realized that she could not live by herself. Um, we had people come in, et cetera, et cetera. And my niece, finally, this is my oldest sister's uh, third daughter, said that she would take care of her grandmother because she had promised grandpa. And of course, I thought to myself, wow, for such a young person, um, that's a big task to take on. But they moved in and took care of mom for as long as they could. In that process, she's the research type. She's very much like her mother. Um, she would look into resources and so forth so that by the time mom came to me, the diagnosis had taken place through hospice, I would say, and she wanted me to talk with them to continue um, to actually start because she initiated the process and then I was to carry it forward. And she really had to ask me more than once to listen to them because the word hospice was not a friendly word to me at the time. At the time, it was not. And I think for most families, it's not. It sets off. It just ignites this bubble of fear. <laughs> and it's just, I was yeah. like, no, we're not doing that. Yep. Yep. Not ready. Not, <laughs> not, not, not ready. We're not at that point yet. Yeah. Um, she did say, Auntie, please listen to them and then make a decision. And I haven't regretted it. 
I really haven't. Well, hospice can be such a support and palliative care, you know, sometimes it comes before that, depending on, on when a family gets involved. But every, I, I've not heard one person regret getting them involved. Like I had no idea how helpful this would be to all of us and to the person they're caring for, um, giving them comfort as well. And, and it's nice because that group really does take a holistic approach and it's not, they're not just there for the patient or the person diagnosed. I mean, they really support the family. I, I used it both with my mom and my dad and God said, you know, it was exactly. And that was my wildest dream. I just couldn't have, wouldn't have imagined that. And to answer your question about the timeframe. So if dad, passed in 09 and we had been noticing some things just prior to that and she didn't come to me until 2016 so can you imagine all that time us trying to figure this thing out and you know why isn't mom really herself yeah and and it's tough and not all doctors are you know Mm -hmm. are educated in terms of diagnosing this that I just read something the other day where it said the average diagnosis takes two to three and a half years. And that's a long time. That's yes. a long time. Yes. And sometimes you'll start out with one thing and then it'll change to another. And even as the disease progresses, it'll change again. When my mom died, we did an autopsy um, of her brain. And the whole time, the whole 30 years, we thought it was Alzheimer's. And it was, but it was also, she had Lewy body and some Parkinson's too. Um, that we didn't, that we didn't know about. And, um, you know, I don't think it was very prevalent because I was over there all the time and stuff, but, um, I find it interesting, you know, uh, and I know a lot of people don't want to do an autopsy of the brain, but I think it really will help us find a cure and be able to define symptoms. And I, I think more families are realizing the overlap of symptoms from, one type of dementia to another, a lot of times more so than most of the doctors out there. And uh, that, that is, we're, we're right there. We're yep. right there on the, the, you know, day to day. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're in the trenches there. Now, one of the things we talked about um, was how God's grace led you to, um, to care daily, you know, and just living a graceful journey that probably didn't start from the get-go, I would imagine, because most people come in, you know, kicking and fighting and screaming, going, oh, this is a lot. And you're just, you're, you're trying to figure out what to do. And then all of a sudden, this kind of calmness comes in. Um, exactly. And again, not everybody gets there, but boy, what a difference it makes when it hits. You are so right. I'm laughing because I just, I had some days. Until I realized, like, now, if you really plan to do this, I think you need to call on the highest power <laughs> there <laughs> is and, 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 and get with the program. Start listening and trying to um, get some answers to some of the things that you just, you know, you don't have the training for. I just knew that for myself. And um, so I, I had to depend on God I, and I am grateful for his grace. Did you, I actually swear I had times where he literally came in and talked to me, channeled things to me. It's just like stuff that was just kind of, and some of it was just off the wall stuff. 
Right. You know, that I never, ever would have thought of in a million years. And I'm thinking, I am going to look totally crazy if I do this. And then I sat back and go, but I got nothing to lose. So I'm going to try it. And then it like just a total miracle work, you know, it was just um, uh, unbelievable stuff that would happen in terms of those those authentic, simple connections when you think that they're gone and yet they're so strong and they come through in just this beautiful, loving flow. Um, and, and for me, you know, I used um, humor and laughter a lot in our family and uh-huh. that would like trigger and just pull her back sometimes. That was, it was just kind of incredible or things that looked goofy, um, would seem to work. Did you, did you hear voices like I did or, uh, or just feel like you woke up in the morning and the message was really clear to you or? Generally, if, if I really had to think back on that, reflect on that, probably when I was more or less in the midst of something, mm-hmm. right in the midst of something. And um, you just mentioned something that um, I, I actually call my care, heart care, um, um, heart, and then the ART, okay? Mm-hmm. Very much into arts integration as a school teacher and all of that. But mother raised us in the arts. So I do all the things you just said. If I thought it would make her laugh or happy or feel better, I did it. If I had to be the clown or I'd do some monologues that she used to do and she'd laugh and get so tickled about it because she loved drama and dance and music and all of that. So um, that's the artistic side came out in my care, even down to her bandages for her wounds. Now, somebody's going to say that now that's a little anal or OCD, you know, but I didn't like my tape to be torn. I had to cut it. I wanted nice and neat. I wanted all those bandages and everything to be nice and neat as much as possible. So there was an artistry to that, Eva. Yeah. So. Well, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna kind of pop forward with with another question that I had since you you talked about you know giving from the the heart and the, and and utilizing the art. Did your did your mom continue to do art or be involved in art? at all during her disease? Was she artsy prior to? And So that, that, thank you for that question. So mom attended, before she came to live with me, a center, uh, a senior center. And that was her activity, her getaway, her everything until she needed assistance going to the restroom. Mm-hmm. And she could no longer go without somebody being there. But the caregivers that we had, um, that we actually hired to be with her while she was still in Florida, would take her everywhere. And when I tell you, she loved it. And if she could get an audience and speak Spanish, she's a retired Spanish teacher. She That was her out. That became her out. And then, to your point, if she heard some nice music, Grace is going to cut a step. She's going to start <laughs> moving to it and encourage you to do the same. So, yeah. 
So she kept that side of her for as long as possible. But by the time we really realized what was going on with her, I think so much had been lost. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so much had been lost. But what we could do with her, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's a belief out there, too, that, you know, when people get to a certain point, they can't do any type of artwork they can't learn anything new they can't paint they can't color and some of those things we've done all our lives or we did when we were little then we gave them up as adults because we didn't think we were good enough or we didn't have enough time or whatever it might be and you know I think we're seeing more and more proof out there that don't let your perceptions judge their ability because um, a lot of people uh, and I have a, a dimension and arts program mm-hmm. where myself and Mary Crescenzo, we interview people with dementia and they share their artwork. It's incredible. It is flipping crazy. The jewelry, the photography, the woodworking, um, it, it, it's just endless. The painting, the coloring that they do. And some of them have never been artistic. They, they're the first to say, I've, I've never done anything. And what they're all saying over and over, we hear this theme is that they get in the zone. They are so comfortable and so peaceful. And that allows their symptoms to kind of regress and pull back. And their care partners, a lot of times have to like, yank them away from the table and go, Hey, we're got to eat, you know, I got to, I got to clear the table or it, you really got to get some sleep here. It's time to go to bed, but they, they lose track of time because mm-hmm. they feel purposeful and engaged and they're, they're making a product. And I know with my mom, you know, she, she was always really creative and stuff, but, um, and when my daughter was really young, they would color together and you uh-huh. couldn't tell who was prouder, my three-year-old or my mom, you know, when I would walk in and they would hold up their, their pages and stuff. But then I know I got to a point thinking, well, there's things that she just can't do. And if, if I was able to relive some of our journey, that's part of what I would try to incorporate more of. Um, and she, she was always social. You had mentioned music. That was huge for my mom to just would come alive even in her end stages it would just it was like someone putting fairy dust over her and her body you know would just start going to the beat and you could see this smile even though her teeth were all chipped and broken and her dimples and the glint and you know she would try to say some of the words and then she'd fall asleep and then she'd wake back up and engage and so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, well, put her in the choir type thing, <laughs> you know? uh-huh, uh-huh, but it was, uh-huh. but it was about getting pleasure out of being involved or being surrounded by that. And so I just think it's such a powerful tool and not only for the person um, with dementia, but for those around them to mm-hmm. see something positive and creative um, is, is pretty cool too. Yeah. we. Um, we had an outing once. I think I talk about this in the book. Um, we were waiting to pick my son up from school, one of his school activities. And we went to, this is a friend of myself and mom. Mom was always, she was right there. We went to a little um, cantina 
restaurant. They had music playing and all of that. And uh, just as we get there, it's, uh, it's time to leave. We only had about 10 minutes there. And the DJ put this music on, just doing what he does. And she stood up with that cane. And from her seat all the way to the door, she danced with that cane. People started whipping out cell phones and taking videos. And they said, oh, my goodness. It was just such an exciting moment. And then she uh, let out one of her, I call them graces. And she said something like, to keep on moving, you got to keep on grooving, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a joyous moment because that's, you know, that's, that's mom. That's mom. Yeah. Very, that was, that, that really was a great example of her personality. Oh, it's just the essence of her soul, you know, yeah. and it's those moments for me. And some of those we were able to, to capture on video that just melt my heart and on my, and I've said this to my audience many times, but I think it's worth repeating for people who are new on, on a day that I think is my worst ever, I can relive that moment or I can watch that video and life is good in an instant. It's just, it brings this peace and this calmness to my heart. And I just think how lucky was I? Yes. Yes. Um, if anyone dreads this, I, I, I hope they'll see it differently eventually as caregiver but I just think I, I I'm the blessed one I'm I agree with you right there yeah 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 I always tell people it's it's not anything that I would you know project on anyone else to have but it's the biggest gift and the best blessing uh, that I'll receive in my life. I, I don't care how strange the package was. <laughs> it was it was a really cool gift, um, <laughs> you know. And I think made me a better made me a better person along the way. With great that. way to put that, yeah, absolutely, it's a gift. Yeah. Now you had mentioned um, that you had some other people caring for your mom when she was still in Florida. How did you create a care team? Because that's a that's a tough one. And then you had family come and stay and and things. But that's that's one of those things families kind of prance around because everybody's got different ideas. So how did you do it? Well, so unfortunately it was kind of accidental. And when I say that, you know, try one thing and then that didn't last long. Mm -hmm. So we went from church member, um, oh, my oldest nephew did a great job. He um, just moved in and was right there with her. But this is, this. mind you, we did not know at that time that this was going on. And when she said certain things, I know he was trying to understand and trying to understand who should he tell or who should he let know grandma said this or what have you. But he did a great job. And then um, at some point, we brought a team in or some specialist in to test her. And I tell you, she whizzed through that test like we should have been the ones getting tested instead of her. <laughs> she, she put us all to shame. But um, but we still knew that she couldn't be by, alone. Mm -hmm. um, so from there, um, we hired... Um, a friend of ours, um, 
and she was there, I'm going to say, I can't even put the number of years, but she started somewhere around Thanksgiving. So she became a live-in as well. And that worked out extremely well for a while. And after that, we had two sisters and they would team up and take mom here, there, and others. It looks like every, it seemed like everybody had their own special thing that they did with her. And one thing mom loved about the sisters, they went to get the hair done, nails done. They took mom right there with them. They went to an outing or a picnic or a family game. They took mom right there because she was so used to going. So that was really, as mom would say, right up her alley. She loved that kind of thing. And when that time came to an end, that's when my niece came in. So those were, that's church member to nephew to, to uh, live in to hiring two sisters. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, I do, um, I do want to have you talk a little bit about your, your book here. Um, Grateful for Grace, Reflections on Caring for Mom. And it's just, it's just, it's laid out really cute. And you won't be able to see it, you know, from here. Um, but I really highly recommend that you, you um, pick this up. It's, the cover is soft and gentle. That's what I was, I was telling Donna, Olivia, uh, you know, just to the touch, it just feels soothing. And it's, I just love it. One of the things you have in here is graceful care, and you have an accurate, an acronym for care. Do you mind sharing with people what that stands for? Well, um, the idea behind putting it there at the end of the book, I have nice short stories, but I don't like thinking that I'm telling somebody this is what you ought to do. Mm -hmm. So, but here's the suggestion, or this is something that I tried. So carefully consider such and such. And then avoid, perhaps, you know, this This is what I had to avoid. You might want to think about it as well. That's the A. And then reflect on your feelings. And I really do um, encourage people to think about what they truly feel, maybe even journal, which is how this book got started, <laughs> journaling. And then enriching your experience. That could be an example of um, still celebrating the birthday, whether she knew it was her birthday or not, you still celebrate it and call family and have them do things. You do it anyway. And it, it really adds to the total care giving journey. It really does. Yeah. Well, it's still celebrating them and they're part of your tribe, you know, yes, it's, yes. it's a tradition. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I know on my journey, I found I had two different circles of friends. I had many circles of friends, but I found that there were two types. One that asked how she was doing because they really wanted to know. And the other that asked how she was doing to tell me I never had to go see her again because she didn't know who I was. And that shocked me um, at first, but it just made me realize how important the work that you and I and so many others are doing about raising awareness because it, it wasn't that they didn't care. It was just that it was painful and so uncomfortable for them because they mm -hmm. didn't know how to help the situation. And, and I think one of the things that people have to realize on this journey is that you can't fix it, but you can support it. And there's definitely a difference between those two modes um, on that. 
For people who are just tuning in, we've been talking with Donna Olivia, the author of Grateful for Grace. Uh, It's a wonderful book, Reflections on Caring for Mom. And uh, next, we're going to be learning about her mission to raise awareness and self-care and support groups. You can find uh, Donna Olivia on her Facebook group, which is Caregivers Corner Grateful for Grace series. And of course, you can purchase her book on Amazon. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So, Donna, Olivia, I want to ask you about your mission, you know, because you really talk about being on this mission to raise awareness for Alzheimer's disease. Are you focused just on Alzheimer's disease or on all dementias with your advocacy? Well, as I became aware that there was more to Alzheimer's, it wasn't out there by itself and that it fell under the umbrella of dementia. I usually use the term Alzheimer's because that's what my mom has been diagnosed. But generally anything that I'm speaking to can apply because it crosses over its Alzheimer's and caregiving. You know, I I could say caring for someone with Alzheimer's or dementia, but caregiving became a big piece and evolved because I had to learn to care for myself. And I didn't think that was important for, there was a period of time that I didn't see that as important. So it's a double message. And I'm so glad you asked me that is it, it's really a double message. Um, being educated about Alzheimer's, I just, when you look at the data and the numbers and who's affected and how it's affected so many millions of Americans, I'm like, why are we in the dark about this? We don't know if there's a gene. We don't know. You know, these are things, these are the unknowns that we're not asking or questioning, checking into, looking into. You know, the doctors now are asking us to draw the hands on the clock and give give them three words back. And I know some people have experienced that. I'm like, why are you asking them? But I'm glad something is being done. So. Mm-hmm. From the book, I started uh, a caregiving forum because that's when the, the, the that piece started to rise because I myself took sick. I was ill and had to go to the hospital. And I'm like, I wonder how many other caregivers are out there not caring for themselves and seeing it as secondary, and it is not. So from the book, um, I did the forum. And then to celebrate one year of the forum, we do a summit. 
So that's when, whenever you hear the the series, these things just started to evolve. And then the fourth thing that happened was the caregivers corner, which is a blog on Facebook. Um, I'm also looking forward to doing more what I call moving with grace. Uh, you notice that word is in there again, um, because it, it 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 keeps seniors especially engaged, keeps it keeps them moving, keeps the mind stimulated, and the moving with grace does involve liturgical dance. And because we are needing to remember our choreography, it's a wonderful way to exercise our mind. So that's a part of the mission as well. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. It it is funny how many people have gotten in the industry because of personal experience and you just kind of keep seeing needs and kind of, you know, I feel like sometimes we're on the Titanic and we're all trying to plug holes <laughs> to keep afloat. <laughs> and even when our journey's over, we want to keep others afloat. You know, we, we want them to have a better life and more support and more optimism uh, and be, you know, more connected to others, because I think that's social support for both the person with dementia and the caregiver are so critical, so absolutely critical to having a healthy journey. And when you mentioned you were in the hospital, you know, I do several support groups and so many people, you know, and myself included, I never landed in the hospital, but I never saw, I never, I never even got close to the top 10 of things to do. You know, it was, I was like way down at the bottom because there was always something coming up, but mm -hmm. I, you know, I ended up getting sick um, while I was caring and, and I would kind of overdo it. And then I would just be down for almost two weeks and it was just God going, knock it off slow down. And it's, it's at those times, if you get hospitalized or not, where you kind of go, Oh, boy, I need a backup plan here. And I got to start doing things different to uh, so that this doesn't happen, because you realize all of a sudden, who's going to care if I'm not here? Exactly. And that's, that's not going to do anybody any good. And it goes through your mind. And that is what you're still not thinking about the fact that you're in the hospital. You're like, who's going to do mom? What yep. are we going to do? <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, you're still not caring for yourself. Because you're still not caring for yourself. Know? That's where the focus is. Well, it's it gets to be such, um, you you personally as an individual become almost like out of the equation of of priorities. I mean, that's how I found myself and I would look at a list to do and it was you know I mean I had my stuff on there too but it was primarily taking care of my mom and my dad who also had brain cancer and stuff and I wouldn't have given up any of it for the world but there's different ways I could have approached it I know now mm -hmm. uh, than what I did then and different ways to you know maybe I, I like to think that maybe I would have been able to get my brothers more involved and that was, I don't know if you had um, siblings at all, but that was something I really struggled with. I wanted them to be more involved and they weren't. And I let that sidetrack me and kind of eats a lot of my energy, um, which really was a waste. I have a perspective on that. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because um, at the outset, 
and I, I, at the time, had six brothers and sisters. I lost my oldest brother in 2019. Um, but, you know, I would be asked, well, do you have any brothers and sisters? They knew I was relatively new to this. And I do. And I was wondering, well, why aren't they just jumping in here? You know, I'm just thinking that's the, the thing to do, right? Just like you were thinking. And it, it, it started to bother me. They were asking to be helpful. But it bothered me that I did not have a better answer. And I felt that this was one of the divine interventions that um, came to me. I said, well, let me see. What are they doing? Well, my baby brothers take care of all mom's business. I don't have that to mm. worry uh, my oldest sister, now she she loves giving suggestions and she'll give one and I may go, you're not here, you can't suggest that. And then I go and try and I go, wow, that was a great idea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so, you know, I had to let them do it the way that they would do it. Now, um, I have a sister, uh, my second oldest sister is on dialysis. She can't move about too much. But when I was celebrating a degree and birthday all in one, she came, sat with mom and said, you go ahead and enjoy yourself. And when I tell you that was worth any other visit, like 10 times over, it meant so much to me because now I didn't have to worry about mom because she was in her care at that time. So I looked at the kinds of things that they were doing and I said, you know what? I think I'll take what I have. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And 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 when I looked at it that way, I had a friend who once said she had a brother. I think her brother, because she was caring for the sister, and she said, um, she asked the brother, "Will you um get loan me the money to, um, build a ramp, mm -hmm. a wheelchair ramp?" He said, "No, I won't loan it to you, but I'll give it to you because she's my sister too. That's what he could do. Mm. He might not have been in the rotation." But that's what he could do. So I love telling and sharing that too, because it's a matter of perspective. Yeah. And but I had to work on me. I'm telling you, I had to work on my mind to get to that point. And when I started thinking about things that would come to the door, Don, I sent this for you and mom, or I did the, you know, or even the phone call to say how are things going? It meant so much. It really did. So yeah. Yep. Well, and I think you're right, letting people do what comes natural to them versus sometimes, and I didn't think that I was doing this and we had a, a disagreement and it was a friendly talk, but uh, it came out that they perceived me as a control freak and I perceived myself as organized. And, and I was always organized until I wanted them to, you know, be more part and then I became a control freak. Um, in their eyes and stuff. And some of that I'm sure is true. I, I, um, I, I wanted more than what they could give and I wanted it in different ways. And they knew that. Um, but then that was intimidating. That uh -huh. I was judging them and that pushed them away even more. And so it was really interesting. You know, I said, I told them, I said, I'll take some of the responsibility, but I'm not taking all. You're not taking all of I'm it. I'm right? taking it all, you know. <laughs> You could have had this conversation with me long, long ago. And, um, you know, and again, our family, we use some humor, you know, in the process and stuff. But 
but it is, it's just, it's a foreign thing to navigate. It's not something that's taught in school. It's not something that even friends talk about a lot. You know, they, there's a lot of people that won't even mention if their family is dealing with dementia at all. And so there's this, you know, this kind of under the, under the curtain or behind the curtain type thing that's going on. And, you know, we, I think we have to pull that curtain back and uh-huh. realize we're all little wizards trying to figure out and navigate what, what we want to happen. But it's easier when we can talk uh, to others that are in the similar circumstance um, that understand it. Because sometimes talking with family and friends, they just don't get it at all. I mean, you're saying this and they're seeing that and you're like, how, how can you not see this, you know? And, um, and I hear that a lot, especially with long distance um, friends and family, you know, cause, cause a person with dementia, they can muster up and put on a pretty good show and pull it together for a while tour. I know my mom could. Okay. <laughs> yep on that. Well, let's talk about some of the the risk factors and and also that urgency of self-care. Well, the urgency, of course, came to my attention by having my heart literally leaving my chest. That's what it felt like. What worked me up that evening? I know I was tired. That I do know. Um, Had very little sleep. And I was trying to do my husband's schedule, mom's schedule, my son's schedule, and live a little myself. And it came, it all just fell apart. So at about 11 o'clock that night, I barely got home, dropping my son off to work. And I barely got to the door. And I said, honey, call 911. It's my heart. That's, that's all I could say. Now, interestingly enough, paramedics come this is in the middle of COVID now the paramedics come get me to the hospital blood pressure was a little high but they couldn't find anything I hate it when they can't find anything <laughs> this is not the time. <laughs> I need you to tell me what's wrong with you <laughs> now on the other hand um, someone you know behind the other curtain beside me in the emergency room they said do you have I don't know, heart disease, yeah. Do you have uh, uh, diabetes? Yes. Do you have this? Do you? That lady had so many yeses. I said, girl, you better count your blessings that they're not finding any of that. So it, let's say if it all started at 11. By 3 o'clock, they were packing me up and sending me home. They said they needed that bed for the real sick people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they put me out. <laughs> oh. Now, for me, that was good. Now, in the meantime, I do have a niece that lives in the subdivision across the street. And when I tell you she she's it anytime we had to make a hospital run, she's there. Anytime. And and all my nieces and nephews, I mean, when I tell you this is just a beautiful village, that's why I can't complain. I'm probably a little spoiled. But so that's that's the one thing. You gotta know when you're tired. Let me just back up. You got to know when you're tired. So, so it doesn't go that far. You got to know that. I remember someone telling me initially, eat, make sure you eat. Well, of course I'm going to eat. I didn't realize that you really had to be conscious about that. And when mom went on a feeding tube and I literally didn't have to cook, you know, it might have been optional to me. 
because I knew she was going to be taken care of. Um, let's see what else now. And then the, the, the getting out and, and finding some me time. Mm -hmm. So critical. My dance class in my mind is not optional. Now that one we will fight over because I'm going, you know, whatever's happening, I'm going because that's my moment. Now there are other things I'd love to do. Um, the Alzheimer's walk. I'm going to do that. Those, those things that, that, that really um, go right along with this vision of being supportive and uh, becoming more knowledgeable myself and, uh, and sharing. Um, but that me time is so important. And I, I just can't stress that enough. It's not optional. Well, I don't know how to figure it out. You got to figure it out. And you, and, and there are ways of making it work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really agree with you on that. And I didn't know, I didn't have a situation like you had, but mm -hmm. years afterwards, I, I sold real estate for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting. I saw some um, old clients of mine and we were sitting around I, I, having a drink. And it was so fascinating because they said, Lori, I didn't know you had blue eyes. And I said, oh, yeah, I've always had blue eyes. And I had sold them probably three different homes over the years. And they said, Lori, your eyes were always pitch black. Because I was so tired. I was so intense and and they said you were always great to work with but your eyes always looked heavy you know just not, not tired but just intense you know that that heaviness of that and I too I pushed I pushed friends away I thought I don't have time for you I mean my gosh I, I don't know how I'm gonna get all of this stuff done and but I was lucky I had girlfriends that never gave up on me. And every week they would call and invite me to coffee. And it wasn't until one day I agreed to go. And I agreed to go just to get them off my back. Um, when they called, I had just left my, my parents' place and it hadn't gone well. I remember that. I was, I was feeling really stressed. And they asked me to come for coffee. And I said, I'll give you 10 minutes. Like the queens come and roll out the red carpet. You know, I'm going to bless you with my presence. So get ready. And my intent was to get there and get out and, and hopefully explain to them, don't ask me to do this. I don't have time. Oh, that's not what happened. I got there and we laughed and we cried for over two hours. And it wasn't until I met with them that I realized how empty my soul had become. I was just drained. Mm -hmm. And they filled me back up and I never missed uh, a week, a weekday coffee with them again. But it, but it was like, I, because you don't, when you're in the thick of things, you're not present with what's going on in your own physical being because it's not a priority. And so you just kind of shove it away. And it's like, how did I not know I was tired or I was stuffing all these emotions and, and to have that freedom to laugh and cry and just be accepted mm -hmm. was huge. Was oh my goodness. And and you probably a whole new world opened up. Yeah. Just going to get coffee, didn't it? A whole yeah. new world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you become a better care partner because you have you have better energy. And you have energy. <laughs> 
Because if, if if you're an unhealthy caregiver, you, your 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 care is substandard, and that's yep. not what you want. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, I wanted to talk with you too about, um, you know, as far as your monthly support group, um, or forum that you do, how how people connect and. What kind of comments are you getting from people on that? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I wish I could read a couple of just from the one we, um, the last one we did. Um, I, um, first of all, we're not all in Georgia mm -hmm. because I have friends in other places or someone told someone we're a very small group. We're int an intimate group, however, and people can come on, they can talk or not talk. They see a need to say something or ask a question, they can periodically if someone can come on and share a certain story. So this, the, the, I'll use the latest one, this, this was mind your business. I'll pick a topic and I'll take a spin on it. You know, we grew up being told perhaps to mind your business. But in this particular one, um, I was encouraging everyone to, to find a way to make what they need to make it work. So the first example was for mom's birthday. I actually did a photo montage. I had all the family send me any old pictures, whatever you have, and I'm going to create whatever. So I gave pages a theme and a, did a cover. And that was how we celebrated her birthday for this year. Um, and and it became, it's like 28 pages mm -hmm. of, of photos that just brought us joy. Mm -hmm. reflecting on her so mm -hmm. that was a way to to change your mind for what happy birthday and blowing out the candles to 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 doing a different kind of activity uh -huh. and, um a, a friend came on who teaches meditation and she mm -hmm. explained the importance of that that's a mind thing and you got to take the time to do it uh-huh can't make it optional. Get up early in the morning, late at night, or whenever you choose to do it and do it. Mm -hmm. And the third example, um, one of the ladies on, and she's also on my team, I happened to see a post that she made. She was going on a cruise, and for the first time, she was going to put her dad in um, respite, let him um, go to a respite center. But mm -hmm. she didn't want him there by her by himself. So rather than trying to find one person to visit, she found six. Oh, wow. And all of them went on a rotation. They made out a schedule. He enjoyed the conversations with them and ultimately told her, you've got a great group of friends. So see how you, you change your mind. I can't find anyone to mm -hmm. do it. So she found six. Uh -huh. <laughs> wow. It took like a day or a, a period of time to go over and chat with them. So um, and the comments are like from the speaker, this is so great. Um, one lady said something like, I, I, I never knew caregiving support groups existed. She had been in for two or three years. Yeah. Um, and she said she now has hope now that she's found the group, that kind of thing. So, and oh, and, that's wonderful. It's, yeah, it's so powerful. And people don't, I mean, they, and I pushed away the groups too, because I, uh, I initially 
thought, I don't have time for this. I, I'm doing all these other things for her. I can't do this too. I didn't see it for myself. I saw that it was another thing for her, which I thought was really interesting when I looked back at it. And I got to a support group by accident. I was going to go see a speaker friend of mine talk and then he got sick and I was stuck there. And then it was like, okay, well, I'll just participate in the group. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need this. I didn't, I, you know, it was, it was really interesting, but I got, I, I got in that totally through the back door, which I thought was really funny too. Well, uh, Donna, Olivia, this has just been such a wonderful conversation. I can't thank you enough um, for sharing your story with us, sharing your book again, grateful for grace um, to our audience. I hope that you will like, click and share be a giver of hope. You don't know who in your sphere, you know, needs this information because people just aren't comfortable talking about it yet. And so the more information we can put out there, the more comfortable people will grab it when they need it. And you know what, it sure as heck doesn't hurt each of us to get educated before we need it too. Before we uh, need it. And, and if it's a scary thing, because I see this a lot, I was just at an expo and they're like, oh, I don't, I don't need that, you know, and it's like, it might not be for you. You just might be the one who gives it to a friend. You know, there's so many people dealing with this. So be a giver of hope, like, click and share, spread the word of Donna Olivia's work and, uh, you know, go and like her Facebook group, Caregivers Corner and Grateful for Grace series. Um, and don't forget to go ahead and purchase her book. You know, it's on Amazon. And again, you will be glad that you, that you got it. It's just a, a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, any other contact information you want to give people at all? Now, I would like to leave my email address if that's okay. That's fine. So that's Donna, D-O-N-N-A-M-A-Y, like the month, and then M-A-Y-E. So Donna May May at gmail.com. Okay. Sounds they good. they reach out if they want information on the forum or, or any, anything else. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. And to our audience, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.